Welcome to the Growing in Love for Life podcast, where it's all about saving and strengthening your marriage and creating the relationship you really deserve and want to have. And now, from growinginloveforlife.com, relationship and marriage coach and best-selling author, your host, Liam Naden. Welcome to this episode of the Growing in Love for Life podcast. Hi everyone, it's Liam Naden back here again. Thank you for joining me. And a few weeks ago, you might remember, we had a special guest on our show, Jeff Saunders. And he, I really wanted to bring him back another time because he has so much to share. And there's another area that he particularly helped me on a personal level with, and that was this whole area of personality disorders. And we're covering today a very big topic, and I've invited Jeff back to cover it with us because he's a real expert in this area. And the title of the podcast is, Does My Spouse Have a Personality Disorder? Now, this whole issue of personality disorders, it's very emotionally charged, but but there have been statistics and, and um and surveys done and and some research done to show that actually it's a bit more common than we might think, a personality disorder. So I thought I'd bring Jeff back to talk about personality disorders and how they impact on relationships. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode when we talked about, or an earlier episode with Jeff when we talked about um, attachment styles, I really encourage you to listen to that as well. But just a quick brief introduction about Jeff. He's also, like myself, from New Zealand. He's from, from Christchurch. He's been working as an educator, a counsellor, a life coach, an individual and couples therapist for more than 25 years. He's written a book called The Twelve Choices of Winners, and you can find details about that on my website, liamnaden.com. And he's also got several more books in the pipeline. So he's a real, he's somebody with a, a great a wealth of knowledge and experience, and also in this area, which is about personality disorders. So I'm really delighted to bring you back, Jeff, onto the show. Welcome. Thank you, Liam. Thank you. It's great to be back talking to you. Yes, no, thank you for taking the time to join us. I think, um, you know, this is such valuable information, and I'm, and I'm, you know, what I'm trying to do with these podcasts is really give people some ideas where they can really make some concrete improvements to their relationship by having a different awareness of the way relationships are really put together and also getting some practical ideas on what they can do to see an immediate change hopefully as well. So today we're going to talk about personality disorders. (laughs) Now this is a bit of a a minefield but um, it was very interesting that what I've noticed is there's very little that I can see uh, certainly when people are being uh, are looking for information about their own relationship. There doesn't seem to be a lot about personality disorders, but it seems to me they they do and can have quite a big impact on a relationship. So, can we kick off maybe by you telling us a little bit about what a personality disorder actually is and how it might impact on a relationship? Indeed, indeed. Um, personality disorder is already a word for this uh, is a psychobabble word. Really, it's the word for therapists. And it comes actually from the DSM-4, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental um, Disorders and so on. Um, it's the, the reason, the, the, the word disorder is really only applied to a person's behavioral style 
or a thinking, emotion, emoting and behavioral style when it becomes a problem for living a healthy life. So, for example, a person can get a bit depressed and we wouldn't call it a disorder until it became, they became so depressed that it really impeded their day-to-day functioning. Uh, people are also probably reasonably familiar with anxiety. Most people get anxious at one stage or another, but most people don't develop anxiety disorders. It would only be called a disorder when their anxiety pre- prevented them from living a reasonably ordered day-to-day existence. So that is what a disorder is. But from my point of view, I think in terms of the people listening, um, it would be easiest to describe a disorder as an extreme of thinking, emoting, or behavioral styles. For example, if we take a person who's depressed, um, a person who's depressed is going to be flatlining emotionally. They're going to find it hard to think clearly. They won't concentrate well. They won't um, be able to um, perhaps hold long conversations. Um, They may find that they need to go away and be on their own a lot because it's too challenging being around others or being around a lot of of energy. Um, So a person who is mildly depressed may be able to function reasonably well. But a person who is more seriously depressed won't be able to even relate well. And that's where these disorders become become an issue, is when a person's relating style with their partner is compromised by their mental emotional state or the behaviors that are associated with those mental emotional states. Right, okay. Now you've mentioned um, anxiety and depression, and I suppose they're probably uh, the most obvious ones you'd think of. Excuse me, but are there any other sorts of uh, personality disorders, if you like, or characteristics of somebody who you might think has moved into a disorder state rather than just, you know, not having a a good day? Yes. Well, can I just can I just talk a little bit about those two first before I fully answer your question? Because I want sure because the the depression and anxiety are more common and people are more familiar with them, and then I can perhaps move into two other. Um, personality disorder states that are far, far more difficult to live with and more difficult to uh, ignore. So uh, I've talked a little bit about depression and people understand that when people are depressed they sort of close down, they find it difficult to relate to life and they don't want to talk a lot and so living with them is difficult. They may also have um, may they may be a bit bipolar, which means they may not only be depressed, but they have times where they're a little bit bit speedy or a little bit intense um, or a little bit angry. Um, however, um, those patterns, um, the the depressed pattern and the anxious pattern, which is full of uh, unrealized fears, fears. Um, we call it paranoia if it's really, really bad and it's and it's imagining. Um, possibilities that aren't really manifesting but generally speaking anxiety and being down or depressed are not that unfamiliar to most people even though if you're in a relationship with a person who has either those tendencies it can be very very challenging 
And the reason it can be challenging is because you can't relate in a normal way with them. You can't say the normal things. You can't expect the normal things from them. They tend to be either emotionally flat or emotionally over the top, or their or their thinking is very disordered. They worry unnecessarily, or they um, they imagine things happening. So those two those two disorders, or um, the patterns of depression and anxiety before they reach the disorder state, are very common. People know those well, but the two that are less known well and that also are, are relatively common are the borderline and narcissistic personality disorders. Now, the, the borderline person, the trouble with these last two is that people who have got them usually don't own the fact that they've got them. And that's what makes it difficult to work with, is they don't think they've got a problem, they won't acknowledge they've got a problem, and they won't do anything about their problem. People with anxiety and depression often know that something isn't right, and they'll often try to get help because they feel bad. Um, they're normal. They're usually just normal people who are struggling with a tendency to be down or struggling with life or overreacting to life with worry and so on. But the borderlines and narcissistic people are often totally unowning of those patterns. The borderline person can often be very impulsive. They can uh, love you one day, hate you the next. They can, um, they can often be uh, very emotionally reactive in situations which seem like it, it's unjustified. They can very often go into very down uh, emotional states or they can, they can swing from fear to anger. They can be fearful things being done to them. They can be angry about things that are going on. So they they swing around quite a lot. They don't tend to own the, uh, the fact that what's going on for them is a little aberrant. They often think the other person's the problem. And so they'll, they'll treat the other person as if they're the problem and won't recognize that they are, they've got mood swings. They've got an impulsive tendency. They've got, um, they're, they're difficult to live with. The narcissist. One, just on the, <coughs> sorry, just to cut in there on, and just about the borderline. One way that I've always looked at it is, you know, just maybe f f for people listening, thinking, has my my partner got a got an issue with borderline personality disorder? You know, maybe another way of looking at it is saying, do I feel um, in the situation where I'm never sure how they're going to react or what sort of mood they're going to be in? It's almost like being on eggshells the whole time. Would you say that's a that's a characteristic? That's quite correct. What happens when people have um, a borderline personality is that it's hard for their partners because it is so unpredictable. Their reactions to things are so unpredictable. Mm. They tend to overreact to situations and tend to be unable to see another viewpoint and even unwilling to have another viewpoint. And so they can react either fearfully or angrily. And it's very, very challenging for the partners who wonder what the heck's going on. Mm. It's, a, it's a bit different than the anxious and secure person. The anxious and secure person can be quite emotional, but they're not as unreasonable. They don't, that they, when, after they've had a bit of an emotional outburst, they can calm down and it's easy to talk to them again. They might be a bit angry, but they're not irrational. They're not 
they don't lose all reason. Mm. But the borderline personality can be very, very hard to reason with. They can be very, very hard to even connect with. And they take a very, very strong negative view of a person who they feel has offended them or is in some way attacking them. So right. that is difficult. So if, if someone's in that situation, I guess there are a couple of questions. Do we, do we know what causes this particular uh, condition? It's probably worth, if you think that's what you're living with, it's probably worth going online and then, first of all, Googling borderline personality disorder and just seeing, because there are quite a few places that do describe these these different things. Right. Um, the trouble, the, the trouble is, Liam. It's quite a specific. When when I when I have borderline personalities appear in my office, I often take the matter to my supervision because I want to check really clearly with someone else whether, in fact, I've diagnosed them correctly, because it really helps me understand how to work with them if in fact they are borderline because it makes a difference as to whether they're just a wee bit um, emotionally intense or whether in fact they tend to have this borderline pattern mm. because the borderline pattern makes it pretty difficult to do much work on the relationship because they will constantly feel they're being attacked they will constantly feel they're being criticized and eventually what happens is they tend to feel that the therapist is threatening. Right. Mm. Um, so they go from thing that thinking their partner is a threat to thinking the therapist is a threat. So it really makes it really difficult to, to do some good couples work. So what does, if someone's faced with this and their partner, what, what can they do? Is there a, where can they start? Well, the first thing I would do is to make sure, in fact, that their partner has a borderline personality disorder because even borderline tendencies because remember the disorder we call it a disorder when it's at a point where it's really running the show we would call it a tendency if a person, person tended to have that pattern but they're not so bad that they can't own it and can't work with it and most people will be able to own it and will be able to work with it to some degree okay. so the first thing is to be really clear about it it's, it's not always a good idea to put labels on people mm. it's, more, it's more useful to say well look you have this emotional pattern or you have this thinking pattern or this behavioural pattern which I find difficult to deal with how about we talk to someone about this pattern, the fact that you seem to have this pattern and I have a pattern of finding it difficult to avoid to, to work with, how about we talk to someone about what's going on there and how we can move forward but I I think it would be not a good idea for people to try and do the diagnosis themselves. It's no. too complex. It's well, too difficult to do that. And probably the other issue too, if you try and do the diagnosis yourself, is that um, you know if someone has the tendency not to take any ownership for their own feelings and, and or not see that they have a problem, um, they're immediately going to get defensive and feel that they're attacked by you. <laughs> if you if you start to say perhaps you know you've got this and etc cetera, etc cetera, you know. Which I guess makes it, yeah, just makes it extremely difficult to deal with when you're dealing with somebody who can't see what you can see. Absolutely, one of the challenges for a therapist is when I when I'm working with borderlines, I know I've got to tiptoe very carefully uh, because they can easily they can easily take offence, they can easily take the grab a firm grasp of the wrong end of the stick. You know, I can say something and they can really get offended by it. And so it is difficult. I, I find them 
not easy to work with. Mm. Um, and I often finish up working with their partners because they, the, the, the person with the borderline personality has dismissed themselves from therapy um, because they don't like the therapist, they don't like me, mm. or something I said or whatever. Mm. And so I finish up having to work with a partner on his own or her own, mostly his, because the borderline's, borderline personality disorder tends to affect more women than it does men by a long shot. Right. Because it's 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 an emotional pattern, mm. and um, emotional patterns are more, more, more um, high high intensity emotional patterns are more common with women than men. So, um, however, it can be either. So I often find I'm working with with the partner on their own because the pattern, the person with the the disorder has distanced themselves from being challenged. Because they don't like the challenge, they don't like the implication that they're wrong. That's part of their their vulnerability is feeling they're wrong or bad or something, and so they can very quickly react to that. Just a quick final word on the borderline. Um, I just wonder if a if a partner, yeah. if, if someone listening is in that situation where their their spouse is tuned out of counselling or tuned out of work, wanting to work on the relationship or thinking there's anything wrong with them. Um, you said you work with that person. You know, what can you? Is there something you could say to someone listening who feels they're in that situation? How they can begin to approach coping with that? Because, you know, obviously it, the the responsibility therefore comes upon them to deal with the situation. They can't expect. Well, they're, they're not getting any sense of responsibility from the person with the problem, if you like. So, what would you? Is there a bit of insight you could give people? You know, obviously, a brief insight as to how they could start to look at it or to deal with that situation. Okay, there is a yes, yes. I can say a couple of things, but first of all, I do repeat the fact that it's very hard for a, par- a partner to correctly diagnose a borderline pattern. Mm. It's hard for therapists to do it. Um, and if a partner is a, a natural avoidance style who withdraws from conflict, who pulls away when things are difficult. That will rile um, a person who's got a borderline tendency, but it'll also really upset a person who's got an anxious and secure style. We talked about that last time. If a person really wants to connect and wants to share what's going on in their relationship, wants to talk about it, um, and their partner keeps pulling away, withdrawing, going to the shed, going to the office, uh, drinking... What happens is that they'll, that they'll become more emotionally intense. And that isn't necessarily an indication that there's anything wrong with that person. Mm. It just means that they're wanting to connect. So it's easy to get to misdiagnose this. Mm. So I think what I would say, Liam, is that if a person struggles with their partner in any way, shape, or form, it's good to get a professional advice mm. because... It's usually only when people come to me and I get a better understanding of how this partner is operating that they it becomes apparent that they've got this tendency. And mm. therefore, and the average person isn't going to pick it. Right. Okay. That's great. All right. So um, what was the other personality disorder you were about to tell us about? I'm sorry. Well, the other personality disorder, which is very common, is narcissistic personality disorder, or even people with narcissistic tendencies. Now, where borderline tends to be more common in women, the narcissist is more commonly a male. Not exclusively so by any means, but more commonly so. And the narcissist comes across as being the male who's always right. 
They always have the answers. They're totally focused on themselves. It seems like the only person they want to relate to is themselves. It seems like they're so caught up in their own world. Not only do they not relate very well to their partner, but they don't care that much. Mm. A narcissist... A narcissist is really a person who is rather self-obsessed and self-absorbed and looks after their own needs and is not very good at role reversing and imagining what it's like for their partner, putting themselves in their partner's shoes and um, having some empathy for that person's position. Narcissists don't tend to role, role reverse, imagine what it's like for the other very well. They don't empathize well. They tend to be focused on self. They tend to uh, sometimes be quite grandiose, like they'll um, be over the top about how brilliant they are and what they're going to do and how they're always right. A narcissist is always right. Um, it, but not everybody who's right is a narcissist, so you just got to be careful there. But once again, once again, it's not an easy label to get right. Um, the difficulty in a relationship with a narcissist is that they are uncompromisingly correct, they can uncompromisingly um, take the moral high ground, they can always tell a per their partners why their partner needs to get sorted. In other words, they have a godlike approach to what's going on in the relationship and really don't see much, like the borderline, they don't see much of what they contribute to the problems at all. They, can, they will normally tell their partner that you're the problem, you need to get sorted out. Mind you, not only narcissists say that, but they won't take much ownership of the mayhem that they cause in the relationship. Right. Okay, so in some ways it sounds, it has like similar characteristics to the borderline as well, that lack of taking ownership for things. Is, that, is there an overlap there somewhere or, or a distinction? There is, there is an overlap. The, the, my experience of the difference is narcissists, even though they can be emotional, don't tend to be self, they don't tend to be um, righteous, self-righteous and totally self-focused in an emotional way. They tend to be more clinical because they're not, they don't tend to have... Um, an emotional reaction to everything. They tend to have more of a cognitive reaction to how they're right. And they often think emotion is a, um, a, um, an inadequate way to, to live. So they can be quite critical of a person who's emotional. Even though they can get angry and demanding, they can be quite critical of a person who's emotional. But a borderline personality, they, what they do is they become more defensive rather than self-righteous. Right. Yeah, so I guess that's, um, you said more men are, are affected by narcissist uh, personality, and I guess that, that using logic to explain where they're right, is that, is that rather than emotion, is that a sort of a way of distinguishing the two? It, it is, but what I think I'd say, Liam, to people who are struggling with people who seem like they've got an extreme way of relating, is I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too quick to put labels on people because uh, labels are often incorrect, they're often um, well, a person can have a narcissistic tendency for example and be quite capable of relating and working on their relationship um, it's probably better to get a professional view mm. or to do 
very good research before you start thinking that a particular label will apply to your partner. All right, but if you're in the situation where your partner, maybe whether whether they're extreme or they're not, but they use they use a lot of uh, self-righteous logical uh, defence of their own position, and they don't appear to yield or or see your your side of things. Is there a way to deal with that? You know, do you have a couple of ideas on how someone could approach their partner who's who's like that to, you know, to sort of loosen things up a bit, if you like? Well, that's a very good point. And the the way to approach a person like that would be to talk about uh, if, when they're in a, a calmer space, not when they're in the middle of um, an argument. Um, talk about what it's like, what the feelings are like to be with this person when when they don't listen or whatever. The real difficulty here is normally the partners have tried that and this person, because they're not very emotionally engaging, the narcissist isn't emotionally engaging and they often don't care and they often don't empathize, they're frequently quite cold and unapproachable. So it's difficult for partners to feel that the other person will heed how they're feeling because that really is the only thing that they want. They want a partner who can listen to how they feel, take seriously how they feel, support the how they feel, work with how they feel. Um, but if a person's not empathic and a person hasn't got much sympathy, then that's going to be hard to do. And normally a person who's with a narcissist will know that. They'll know that there's no way through. It's very, very difficult. Mm. So I guess that that begs the question really uh, relationships that have these extreme you know one presumably one person that has these extremes of behavior or thinking um, you know that can be labeled a disorder or maybe just a tendency what's what's the um, the prognosis for a relationship I mean do relationships survive when they have these these things as part of them you know is it possible to live through these or what's your feeling on that well, it's a very good question. It's a very good because in in general, when people learn, like the average person, probably ninety percent of people can learn how to relate better. Um, that's what I'm in the business of, and most people are willing to learn new tricks, learn how to listen more, learn how to um, understand the other person's way of functioning. We talked about that last time when we looked at personalities styles when we talked about um, connecting styles um, but if a person feels like there's no way forward and their partner is not prepared to work with the possibility that they could improve or change or whatever then they're up against it um, relationships really are a two-way business where both recognize that they need to work on how they're relating, what, how they could relate better. In other words, good, rela good relationships are created. Good relationships are worked on. Good relationships are created by a couple who really wants to work on their differences, who wants to learn how they can do things better. But not everybody is up to being able to do that, unfortunately. Mm. So... Um, so basically, I wouldn't always encourage people to stay in a relationship. If it's too destructive, if it seems too hopeless, if there's only one person willing to, to do the work or even a, 
um, approach the possibility of doing the work, then you've got to ask yourself, do I want to stay in a relationship where I'm the only one who wants to work on making it good? Yes. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? And, and often that's the... In many ways, I think the best news people can, or the best conclusion people can come to in any relationship is they're worth more. And if they're not happy, you know, it comes down to can they make their existing relationship happier? And hopefully, and that's what you and I both do, is is really try and give people the tools to be able to do that. But ultimately, it comes down to their relationship with themselves and say, am I prepared to honour myself to the to the to be the best person I can be, to be the most fulfilled person I can be, and to realise that I am deserving of the support of somebody else, or in fact of all of the people in my life, to be able to do that. And if I'm not getting that support, I'm letting myself down, really, by by not acknowledging that and, and not doing something about it. So, you know, it can be a difficult decision, but ultimately, um, you know, what I've found both personally and some of the people I've worked with as well is that. You know, sometimes leaving a relationship is the best thing you could possibly ever do, <laughs> and uh, and you look back and th- and you look back and say, say what you know what. Because at the end it? of the day, Liam, you're quite right. You have to honour yourself. Mm. You have to honour yourself. You're quite right. You do have to honour yourself. If the if this partner isn't prepared to honour you, and honour the relationship, and work on it, you have to say, well, is this the best place for me to be? People often want to hold on to what they've got because it feels secure and a bit threatening to let go. But people do have to say, look, is my quality of life with this person what I want it to be? If I'm going to live the rest of my life in the relationship I'm in, is it going to really be something that I'm going to look back and feel I've, I've, I've lived a good life? Yes, if, yeah. If the answer is no, I agree with you. Yeah. you. You can't stay there. And you've got to say to your partner, I'm not prepared to stay in something that so doesn't work for me. If we're not prepared to work on this, then I've got to look at a better way of living my life. Yes, I was a, I was, I was a guest on a radio show quite recently, and I was, I was asked this, this similar sort of question. And the, and the analogy I gave was to say, well, if one of your children was in the same situation that you're in, where they, <clears throat> they were you know, struggling in their relationship, and they came to you and they explained what was going on, what advice would you give them? Because I think people, we're often better at giving advice to somebody who we love and who we really care about, and we can see what's right for them. We're often better at giving advice to them than we are to giving ourselves advice, and that's certainly, true. and certainly to taking our own advice. So often, if people are a bit confused, that's a that's a good question. To, it's worth asking yourself. You know, what advice would I give to one of my children if they were in this situation and they asked me what they should do? That's true. I use a similar analogy, Liam. Um, I sometimes say to people, if your friend came to you and described their relationship as being what's going on in your relationship, would you encourage them to stay in it? Yes. Yeah. Or would you say, <laughs> look, this is, this is too destructive. This is too damaging. You're being too knocked around. I care too much for you to say to you, hang in there. Um, but at the end of the day... A friend, a, friends are a good yardstick because you wouldn't want them to put up with things that would work for them. And if you see it's being destructive for them, if, or if you can imagine it would be destructive for them to be in a relationship like your own, that's probably a good indication that something definitely needs to change. Yes, that's great. 
Well, Jeff, it's been a pleasure having you again. It's a bit of a minefield, this whole area of personality disorders, but, but what I've become aware of is that they're actually a bit more common than many people realise, and so I think it's a really valuable thing for people to start to think about or to examine and become aware of. So that's, it's been absolutely brilliant. I think you've you know, really helped um, explain some great things about what personality disorders are and some of the things you can do about them. And if people want to find out more about what you do, Jeff, what, what's your website address? Um, most of my articles are on my um, couples counselling website, and people can go there and download the articles, and they cover a lot of these sorts of topics. Um, my, the site is couplescounselling4u.co.nz, which is couples counselling, counselling spelt the New Zealand way with two L's, the letter four, the letter four, sorry, the number four and the letter U. So couplescounselling4u.co.nz. So they can see most of this material uh, in one of the articles that's uh, down the left-hand side of that website, Liam. Oh, that's great. And, of course, I'll be I've, on my own website, liamnaden.com. I'll be having some information about your work as well, so people can also go there and have a look. Right, well, thanks very much again, Jeff. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. I mm -hmm. hope everyone listening has enjoyed it and got some value out of it. And thank you all for listening. And from both of us, bye for now. All the very best. Bye-bye. <laughs>